This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Bruce Marshall here on Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Brucey, how you doing? Pretty good, Jimmy. Pretty good schedule this week on college football. I mean, it's got some good yeah. ones. And and uh, let's start off. Uh, Bruce now twenty three and seventeen and one on the season this year. Let's go to the big house. Start off with the big one right out the shoot noon uh, Eastern time kickoff on Fox, Michigan and Penn State, a top 10 matchup here. And boy, uh, Penn State who really struggled with their uh, their running game. Now they bailed that that, that one out early in the year uh, on that uh, Thursday night game against uh, at Purdue. But uh, they've been pretty good, including I know Auburn's not good. But, man, the way they beat them. And Nicholas Singleton, he's fifth in the country at 7.35 uh, 7.35 yards an attempt. I mean, that rushing game that just was non-existent uh, last year or so under James Franklin. Yeah, they're doing that a little bit better uh, this season, Jimmy. But if you look at that at the schedule thus far, I think the Purdue win is probably their best win that they've had. I, I don't think we can consider Auburn uh, that anymore. So we'll find out pretty quick here about how real Penn State is this season. Um, you know, Michigan, it took a while to put um, Indiana away uh, last week. Uh, so some of these big numbers, I'm not sure Michigan's going to have as easy a time covering as it did last year. This is not one of those big numbers. It is a bigger number on the total side, though. So we're into the low 50s here, and it's been several years since they've gotten over that total in a Penn State-Michigan game. Uh, they haven't gotten over 50 the last four years. Last year, only 21 to 17. Um, so my first thought in, in, in this one is that the total is too high here and that under is probably the way to look uh, here in the big house. That's been the trend in the series in recent years. You talked about Penn State running the football a little bit better this season. Chambers is going to have to do some business in the air. But nonetheless, both these defenses are pretty solid. And you got a total in the low 50s. Looks too high to me. Jimmy, so that'd be my first call here would be um, under. Now, this also, the road team has covered the last uh, three meetings, too, so maybe a little lean to Penn State plus the points, but not as much as I like the under, so that'd be my main pick in this game. Under, up in the big house, Penn State and Michigan. If I had to take it, I'm, uh, I'm taking Penn State in the points here. I think that's uh, they match up a little bit better uh, than they have the last couple of years, so um, and it was Michigan. Michigan with their golden year last year that uh, you know used a tight end, a big spot when Penn State finally got back into it. But the quarterback for the quarterback for Penn State, uh, Clifford, he, he you know much much uh, needed a rushing attack to take some of the take some of the pressure off of him uh, at quarterback. So I think this could be a good game. I'm taking Penn State uh, plus a seven. CBS. Well, you know they insist 
uh, the uneven uh, scheduling in the SEC because this game has to be played. Can we finally get a damn uh, competitive game uh, in uh, Rocky Top at uh, Tennessee and Alabama? The uh, Tennessee off a uh, shellacking of LSU uh, in Tiger Stadium in that early uh, Bourbon and Cheerios game uh, last week, 11 a.m. local kick. This is a 2.30 kick central time uh, in Tennessee. Alabama in, well, boy, that they, they – you know, they, they may have caught Arkansas off guard with the backup quarterback, the running-oriented quarterback, but not uh, not last week against A&M. A&M hung in there and had a shot, one shot from the end zone with two yards left. It could not uh, get in. Bama, seven on the road here at Tennessee. Hendon Hooker, uh, uh, Bruce, is a year and a half of starting since coming over for Virginia Tech. He's uh, This year, he's averaging 10 yards of attempt. Now, for the last two years, 36 TDs. And only three interceptions. The classic, uh, you, you want to be aggressive, but be safe. He's both. What a, what a, uh, what a run he's having under Josh Heupel. Yeah, what a nice move when Heupel moved from uh, Joe Milton over to Hooker last year. No interceptions this year either. Tennessee doesn't have any. Only three teams this year don't have an interception thus far in 2022. Tennessee being one of those. And you're right, third Saturday in October, this is a big deal. I would maintain, this is the crossover game, of course, for Tennessee. That's hurt Tennessee the last 15 years. They just happened to pick it when Nick Saban came in. Imagine if they had had Mississippi State as a crossover game or somebody else the last 15 years. Things might have been a little bit different for Tennessee. And I'm not sure this is going to endure once the SEC changes its schedule in a couple of years. There'll be some. That'll be one of the decisions they'll have to make because this is quite historic. You mentioned that about the Alabama quarterbacks. Um, you know, Milrow, you know, can make big plays, but he can make big mistakes, too. We saw three giveaways last week, so that certainly made it tougher for Alabama. And uh, you saw up, up close and personal what Tennessee could do last week. This team, I think, is for real. Um, you look at Alabama's uh, uh, track record here the last year plus. I mean, there are a lot of close games in there, Jimmy. There were almost half of them last year were pretty much down to the wire. Uh, and this was a lot closer than 52-24 uh, last season uh, down in, uh, in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. And now, look at this year. You've already got the Texas game close. You've got the A&M game close last week. Bryce Young is going to play, from what we understand. So that would be a plus for Alabama, I'm, I'm sure. But, you know, the track record here is that they're not going to have an easy time of it putting Tennessee away. And I think Hooker and that Josh Heupel offense are going to be trading points all the way. Might get over as well, but plus, you know, touchdown or so, I think you make a case here for Tennessee, and we certainly can as well. Our gold sheet score forecast was 36-34 Bama, so that's sort of been a de rigueur for the Crimson Tide. You win these games, you win them close. I think that's probably what happens here, but... I would rather have Tennessee plus the points. They're certainly a live underdog, and they have a shot this week. And, by the way, this is another one of those Alabama series where they haven't lost to a team since Mike Shula was coaching them, in this case 2006. So it's been a long time since Tennessee has won in this series, and I think they got a shot here, uh, certainly plus the points on Saturday. Yeah, that's part of the equation. Uh, you know, Tennessee, you would think that they would be looking to get out of this series. They love getting their ass kicked every year by Alabama. I mean, absolutely love it. I mean, it is it is puzzling, to say the least. Can we finally get a competitive game? I think we will, too. I think it's going to be a good one uh, in uh, in Knoxville uh, tomorrow. Packed house, uh, to say the least. All right, uh, that's the, top t- the couple of top ten matchups. Michigan, Penn State, and Bama, Tennessee. Of course, uh, Bama, Tennessee on, uh, you know, again, uh, 3.30 Eastern 
on CBS. Another 3.30 Eastern kick on ABC, a top 15 matchup here between TCU and Oklahoma State. TCU, one of the three teams that are still don't have a loss at ATS against the spread. 5-0-1 as the closing line was at 7. Uh, Kansas and uh, TCU pushed. It was f- fluctuating back and forth. But for our records, it, they are 5-0-1. TCU is a four-point favorite over Okie State. Okie State had a tough one last week. I mean, back and forth before they finally pulled away for a double-digit win, 41-31 at home against Texas Tech. Week before, a very impressive win in Waco against Baylor. TCU is one of the more explosive teams under first-year head coach Sonny Dykes. They're like a track team with, with the speed they've got. And... Um... They're getting used to these matchups of the unbeatens for TCU. Who would have thought in October we'd have back-to-back games? And I think we'll start finding out a lot more about these teams as we go forth. I am still not thinking Oklahoma State is quite where it was last year because the defense is down a couple of notches. They had to replace most um, the entirety of the back seven, really. And Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, too. Now, he went to Ohio State. They brought Derek Mason in. He's using a lot of the same schemes and a lot of the same blitzing stuff that uh, blitz packages that Knowles use, but they don't have quite the, the coverage in the secondary, and they were getting pushed last week, and that was the, the effectively the third-string Texas Tech quarterback who was in there last week doing the business. Max Duggan at TCU, I, I think, I mean, normally, if he didn't wasn't starting from such a deficit in the Heisman Trophy race, he would start to be getting at least into the others category right now. I've always liked Duggan. Uh, first of all, he's very tough to sack. He, he's a tough ombre in the pocket there, and he can run and break out of the pocket for long runs. His passing has really improved this year, and I give Sonny Dykes credit for that. He's taken to this offense very well. Remember, Dykes started, he was using three quarterbacks uh, right at the start of the season, and mm-hmm. then uh, Morris got hurt, and he ended up going with Duggan, and he has not regretted that one bit. Duggan has put up some Heisman-worthy numbers thus far. And I think they get Oklahoma State here. I'm not sure this defense is where it was. Sanders has been prone to mistakes. And I almost want to say TCU's for real here. I, this, this could be the best team in the, uh, in the Big 12. And uh, this would go a ways to proving it here this week. So 41-34 TCU. I think it's going to be a fun, fun game to watch. This might be the most entertaining. And along the lines of Bama, Tennessee, that sort of entertainment value down in Fort Worth. But I think... Uh, I think Sonny Dykes has got something going here, and I like Duggan a lot, and I think the Frogs get him this week. We've got a few of these quarterbacks who uh, have uh, improved over time. So it's his fourth year at, at TCU, and sort of pedestrian uh, in his first three. Six yards attempt, seven yards attempt. He did go to nine last year, but he's over ten. Uh, you get anywhere close ten, that's really, really uh, impressive. But it's him, you know, protecting the ball, too. Um, he had to, He had 19 interceptions uh, you know, 38 to 19, two to one. He's 14 to one TD to interception ratio this year. So absolutely uh, what TCU has done in a year. And yeah, kind of uh, a little bit obscurity, but if you keep winning, uh, they'll keep uh, putting up uh, those uh, numbers. But you're right. Um, you know, when you match his numbers and what he's done in a uh, power five uh, pro- program, uh, it's kind of co- comparable to some of the other uh, front runners for the Heisman. So Bruce likes TCU minus the four there to stay unbeaten 
in uh, the uh, in ATS. Wisconsin and Michigan State. Here's a 4 p.m. Eastern kickoff on Fox. Wisconsin. Boy, Fox got a great match, uh, great lineup. Uh, this way. Jim Leonard. So he's an interim coach, one of several interim coaches, but I think he's the least interim. He's more maybe coach in waiting. Maybe that rushed the hand of uh, Wisconsin. They valued their defensive coordinator more than their head coach. Uh, but can a defensive coach uh, fix all the offensive problems? Week one, not bad. Graham Mertz, how about this? We talk about the, if you get 10 yards an attempt, that's outstanding. He's uh, 20 or 29 for 299, 10.3 yards an attempt, five TDs and no interceptions in a 42-7 to uh, seven win over the uh, Northwestern Wildcats. 28 nothing at half. Wisconsin, eight on the road at Michigan State. Yeah, and you you mentioned Leonard there, and and for all these interim coaches around the country, I mean this this is the one most on an audition here, um, and uh, you know maybe Brent Key is doing pretty well down at Georgia Tech thus far, but this is really an audition here for Leonard because he was considered as a potential successor to Christ anyway. I mean, if Christ had, had moved, we weren't thinking Chris was going to get fired before this year. But, I mean, Leonard is, is a Wisconsin guy. He's been the coordinator there for a while. The defenses have been pretty stout. Uh, he seems to fit what they've been doing. They've got uh, – Barry Alvarez is not the AD anymore, but certainly he's a consultant there. And uh, Chris McIntosh, the AD, I think has got his eyes on Leonard maybe as a full-time appointment. That might happen before the end of the season if Wisconsin turns things around, which they certainly did last week. Like you mentioned, um, Jimmy, Northwestern, which is not that good this season, but still to go in there, up 28-0. Mertz put up very good numbers. Wisconsin also ran a little bit better last week. It couldn't, wouldn't be hard to run better than they did against Illinois. That's been the real difference here the last year plus because the running game has not been going. But uh, Mertz certainly looked good, and the running game got going better last week. And I, I could see this being a turnaround. We've we've noticed that before when some of these uh, coaching changes have taken place, and uh, uh, that might be happening here for the Badgers. Speaking of coaching, uh, Mel Tucker, Michigan State. Mm-mm-mm. You know, I, I wonder if Michigan State, a little bit of buyer's remorse here. I mean, one season where everything went right for Michigan State last year. And they go and give him an extension like a Jimbo Fisher-like extension up there at East Lansing. I'm not sure. I mean, Tucker did not impress. I don't want to get carried away with the 2020 season, the year at Colorado, not too much. And look what we got going here now. Uh, four straight losses, four straight spread spread losses as well. Uh, they're having some trouble defensively. This is not nearly the same team as it was last year. And uh, Michigan State's heading the wrong direction. So these might be teams heading opposite directions right now. And I'm going to jump on the Wisconsin bandwagon here with Leonard and take the Badgers uh, minus the points in this one on Saturday. All right, let's uh, go to the Pac-12 in uh, prime time on Fox, 8 o'clock Eastern kickoff at Salt Lake City. And this is one that was circled before the season. But Utah now has lost a couple of games, uh, both on the road. And this is typical of them from year to year, not just this year. But their home and away splits are really uh, <laughs> distinct, uh, to say the say the least. USC comes in undefeated, catching three and a half at Utah. Utah on defense last week against so UCLA gave up over 500 yards of offense and 42 points. But they're back home here against USC. And they have a bye next week, so this thing has definitely been circled for a while. Yeah, and you know, the the Pac-12 this year, although the, the scheduling thing is still the same, uh, they have changed the format for the championship game, so it's not north versus south. It's the two best records in the league. So Utah, 
uh, if it wants to get involved in the Pac-12 title game, better win this game this week, or, or else they've got two losses to the two teams, two teams ahead of them, and they're probably not going to get there. Uh, so very crucial here for Utah. They were knocked back on their heels last week by UCLA, but UCLA is probably the only Pac-12 team that can do it in that manner against Oregon. They really went straight at them, smash mouth straight ahead. This is Chip Kelly football. Charbonnet had big, big yardage. UCLA goes about it a bit differently. SC... I call them finesse Uh There's nothing knock them down and bowl them over. This is not student body right, student body left. This is pure finesse what they're doing. And it's effective, though. I mean, Travis Dye, it's a lot of delays. It's misdirections. It's draw plays and things like that. He's putting up good rushing numbers. Certainly did last week against the Cougars. But it's all sort of on, on, on passing downs he's running. And Caleb Williams, I mean, I tease him for loving L.A. and all that. I mean, he is pretty good. And his strength, really, is dancing around in the pocket. Washington State got pressure on him last week, but he got away. And they just weren't able to grab him. I mean, he looked like Rodney Pete back there. And I think that's going to be the key to anybody slowing SC down, is figuring out how to limit Williams' mobility in the pocket. And I think Kyle Whittingham, up front in the pits, Utah is still very tough. And this is by far the toughest test that SC has had. This is the first ranked team SC has played. They may not have played a top 40 team, unless you consider Washington State uh, that last week. And uh, a team that's kind of physical here, Utah, I mean, they haven't played one of those either, unless you maybe count Oregon State. And they gave SC a lot of trouble. Oregon State and Washington State also sort of limited the passing lanes for Williams, so he's not putting up those Star Wars types of numbers lately. Rising has been very good. You mentioned Utah's record at home. Also, they had beaten USC three straight in Salt Lake City until the COVID year two years ago. And that one, throw that one out completely. First of all, half season in the Pac-12, nobody was in Salt Lake City. And Utah, even in 2020, had extra COVID problems. Remember, their start of their season was delayed. They lost that one, but they had beaten SC three previous here at Rice Eccles. I think Utah gets them here, gets back in the race, kind of unmasked, I see a bit here this week. 34-24 Utes in Salt Lake City. I love the Utes uh, in this spot, uh, no question about it. Uh, so, I mean, it's just sometimes it's just that simple. I, I'm not sure of another team that has uh, a bigger home-and-away difference uh, than Utah. It's It's been unbelievable. So, uh, the only team that they beat on the road this year was at Arizona State uh, right when uh, Herm uh, was uh, about to go down in the reports that the opposing players were telling the plays they're about to run. So, all right, Bruce, let's get out of the uh, the group of the let's get to the group of five outside the main games and off the beaten path uh, where you kind of uh, are very very good of uh, identifying some of these games. Let's go to Dallas, Texas, SMU and Navy and. Where did this Navy offense come from? They have been struggling all season, but they went up and down the field. Chunk play after chunk play, 490 yards and a blowout win against Tulsa uh, last week as an under a six-point underdog. SMU's given Navy 12 and a half. Ah, this is too many points, I think. And, um, you know, Navy did, did a little bit of this last year. They started off really slow. They ended up covering eight of their last ten last year. Now, they were only about four and eight last year, but still they were much more competitive. This team has turned it around as well. They lost their first two, uh, but since then they've covered the point spread every week and won games too, and they blew out Tulsa, like you said. Uh, Ty Lavatai, the quarterback, looks like he's finally figured out how to run this Ken Niamatololo offense. They weren't really as effective, certainly running the ball as they used to be. Uh, two years ago, the COVID year, bad. Last year, they got better again. This year, they picked it up again after that slow start. And the offense is p- 
is functioning just like Liam Montalolo offense. They have given SMU trouble in the past. I think SMU is is down some this year. I think they're missing uh, they're missing Dykes and uh, Rhett Lashley. He took a big beating last week against uh, UCF. Now they've got a couple of extra yeah. days to prepare. But, I mean, you need you need a, an extra week or two to prepare for the Navy offense, and this has been a series that has been a problem for SMU as well. Too many points to give Navy, and uh, let's give the midshipmen a shot. Anchors away in this one. They might even, I mean, maybe even on the price line, if you really want to take a flyer this week, but certainly plus the 12.5. Take Navy Friday night. You put that on your extra TV, or it'll definitely be on in the sports bars if you're there, or sports book. Uh, that's a 7.30 uh, Eastern kickoff on ESPN. So that one uh, will be on uh, a side, Utah and USC. Ball State and UConn, this one catching your attention uh, in the MAC. Ball State 9 over UConn. Yeah, go with UConn. Words rarely uttered uh, on these uh, airwaves uh, lately, but uh, I think – Let's take a look at what Jim Moore is doing there. Um, you know, uh, f- this is showing what a little bit of coaching can do, and it was certainly a mess there the last year, the last couple of years that UConn is there between coaches, and Edsel had to be moved out last year early. They've uh, Moore has lent some order to this thing. Now, he's take, they've taken a few knocks. Their top two running backs are already are, are out, um, but they've got their third running back came in last week and did very well in that game against FIU. They beat Fresno a couple of weeks ago as a 23 point dog. Uh, Mora is now five and two against the spread. Uh, UConn actually started playing a little bit more competitively about midway last year. They're 10 and four, their last 14 against the number. There were some big prices last year. Ball state has not been a great point spread team, six and 12. It's last 18. They've been involved in some pretty hairy uh, Mac games the last couple of weeks. Close wins. I went to overtime two weeks ago. But now here you go. You stick one of these games in the middle of the season, uh, non-conference games, and sometimes it, it can be a bit tough. And uh, UConn looks like it's not a pushover this year. Zion Turner, the freshman quarterback, is making some plays. And and Mora's got this offense. I mean, they're, they're only throwing the ball 20, 25 times per week. So they're, they're keeping it a pretty, you know, a conservative bent here. They're not letting these games get out of hand. I, scheduling tough spot here for Ball State. Technically, it's it shapes up for UConn plus nine. Um, how about let's take the Huskies here? Let's take UConn. Let's react to some of these uh, trends that we're seeing here. Jim Mora plus the points will take the Huskies this week. All right. So in reverse order, Bruce got uh, has a UConn uh, plus a nine, Navy plus a twelve and a half, Utah minus three and a half, Wisconsin minus eight, TCU minus four, Tennessee plus seven. And the Michigan Penn State game under the total, under the total. 23 17 1 on the season. Let's keep up the winning ways. For Bruce Marshall, I'm Jimmy Ott. Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.